Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, board certified psychiatrist in South Florida. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina. And so today's episode, well, we're living the COVID-19 life. So I thought I would touch upon a few things, especially after doing some reading this morning. This morning was a pretty good morning. I awakened, walked the dog, came back, decided to sweep my patio and use some uh, weed killer, get rid of some weeds and stuff. And then I needed a feel-good food, something that just would make me happy. So I decided to have a bowl of grits for breakfast instead of a protein shake. And if anyone wants to say anything about grits, yes, I know oatmeal is healthier. I don't eat grits every day. It is a uh, soothing food for me. Reminds me of so many different things as a little girl. I don't even think I eat grits once a month, really, most months. Well, but anyway, because of COVID, I've had time to cook a little bit. So I've been eating grits some mornings, and I love it with butter Salt and pepper, I don't do the sugar. I don't add sugar to regular food. So no sugar on rice, no sugar on grits, no sugar on uh, pancakes. I don't put syrup on eggs and stuff like that. But anyway, let's get into some real talk here because um, folks are still on edge and people are still anxious as America tries to open the economy again, open businesses, and some states are resuming normal operations. Stay-at-home orders are have been discontinued. So I saw two things. Um, I saw one report yesterday, and then I saw something this morning on CNBC. The U.S. just reported its deadliest day for coronavirus patients as states reopen, reopen according to the WHO which is the World Health Organization. That actually posted on yesterday, May 2nd. And so um, evidently, 2,909 people died of COVID-19 in 24 hours after reopening certain states. This data was collected on Friday morning at 4 a.m. Apparently, it's the highest daily death toll in the U.S., based on a CNBC analysis of the WHO's daily COVID-19 situation reports. So, as officials are weighing whether or not we should reopen, they are seeing data from the World Health Organization, the WHO, um, that represents some of the deadliest numbers in one day that's been on record. Now, there is a... discrepancy sort of. So the WHO reported 2,909 people have died in 24 hours. And so keep in mind there's a couple of things with um, with the data, um, and that is this. People may have had other underlying medical problems and may have been ill prior to becoming COVID-19 positive. And some folks were hospitalized several weeks ago and just succumbed to their illness or illnesses um, on yesterday. So the information, the data is not necessarily exact, and it may not be true in telling of the situation. And that's the thing we have to keep in mind. 
And the discrepancy is that the U.S. Centers for Disease Control, the CDC, which I guess they're not reporting historical daily deaths, but they stated that 2,349 people died in the United States on May 1st. So it's information like this that um, has some folks frustrated and confused because of not knowing how they want to proceed, if they should leave their homes, if they should return to work. Businesses, I understand um, their issues because, you know, people have to open businesses so they can generate money and uh, make funds so they can earn a living and so their employees can make money as well. So this is a hard balance to, to try to create for the government to allow businesses to, to um, provide services again and thrive or try to thrive to bounce back from these last two to three months, but also being careful so that public health is also a primary concern you know, and folks are saying, well, if people get sick, they can just go to the hospital. But what occurred in New York is that the system was overwhelmed. There were so many sick people. They didn't have enough beds. They didn't have enough ICU beds. They didn't have enough respirators at one point in time or breathing machines. So it's also taking into account what we can handle. So if we open businesses and a significant amount of people get sick or ill and need to be hospitalized, then what do we do if we don't have the manpower or the resources? There have been protests in at least 10 states. On Friday, protesters came out, and um, they wanted the government to lift the stay-at-home orders and other emergency measures so that people could get back to resuming their lives. There were protests in Florida, which is where I live, in Delaware, New Mexico, New York, Tennessee, Washington, New Jersey, Colorado, California. And so as these folks are protesting, you know, you can't help but understand their plight when the rest of the world, or I should say when the rest of America, a certain percentage have been able to still thrive and still run their businesses and make millions and millions of dollars. That was the other report that I saw on yesterday that some folks who were already rich actually became richer. The wealthiest Americans ranking in billions, oh, pardon me, the wealthiest Americans are raking in billions from coronavirus pandemic. That was a report that, was, uh, that came out on May 1st. And it mentioned how 30 million Americans have lost their jobs over the last six weeks because of the coronavirus pandemic. However, America's billionaires are becoming even richer. And so you see, when Trump announced that every American under a certain income would receive $1,200, $500 for this or that, I don't even know, because I myself saw that as an insult to only give Americans $1,200 for everything that we all do in this country, paying taxes all of our years. You know, I'm 44. If you're someone also in your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, and you've just been paying taxes, 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 taxes every year, every quarter, $1,200 is a joke. And of course, depending on what bracket you fall in, 
you may not receive that $1,200. You may not receive anything. So there are millions of Americans who will not receive a dime. And so it was imperative when these billions of dollars were created or made or um, the new money came down. If you did not apply for any of these grants and uh, the emergency disaster loans and the stimulus money and the uh, payroll protection plan, if you didn't apply for any of these things, man, please, I hope you have a good reason why you did not. That money is there because the government has recognized that there is a need for people to be supplemented somehow. So anyway, American billionaires have seen their wealth increase by $406 billion, which is a boost of about 15% of their net worth. Isn't that crazy to you guys? So this is the information that we're seeing that has been frustrating to some people, especially folks who can't work, people who own businesses that can't open their businesses, can't pay their staff, staff who have been trying to apply for unemployment and cannot, cannot enter an application because the system keeps crashing or the folks who have applied and have been denied. Like, can you believe it? People have been denied unemployment. So these are the things that are frustrating a lot of us. When you look at the coronavirus hotspots, we see that there are hotspots, which means the total number of cases as well as new cases, it's all up and down the East Coast, all up and down the East Coast. Florida is definitely a hotspot. Georgia's a hotspot. The Carolinas are a hotspot. Maryland, it's all up and down the East Coast into Pennsylvania, Delaware, New York, Massachusetts. And then you see some states west of there, some of those states are hotspots as well. Now, certain states have gone back to work. They've opened the economy and said that folks could return to work and that um, non-essential retailers could open. Those states include Georgia, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Texas. So, guys, as we discuss within our families what our plan will be, meaning whether we should go back into the community and hope that some sort of herd immunity exists, so that occurs when there are certain viruses um, that are amongst the people. And so what we hope is that as folks are becoming exposed to the virus, not necessarily sick from it, but exposed, and as people are seeing the virus or being in the presence of the virus, that we on our own build an immunity to that virus without having to inject anything into our bodies, but just naturally our system will, will be able to fight it off. And so that's the hope of many scientists and doctors is that at some point herd immunity will occur. We know that with some diseases that we weren't able to achieve herd immunity until the creation of certain vaccinations which, of course, we don't have a vaccination right now for coronavirus, for COVID-19, and we do not have a specific treatment that has been deemed the gold standard treatment for, for COVID. Now let's transition 
and talk about our mental health, right? Because you are on my Brain Love channel, my Brain Love podcast, and that's why I invited you here so we could discuss mental health and wellness. From the beginning, of course, we've all been fearful. This is scary to know that you could become infected from a disease, a virus that we have no treatment for, that we don't understand, that has caused all different sorts of manifestations of disease to render your body helpless. We know now that when people are infected with COVID virus or coronavirus 19, that they can develop blood clots. And if you know anything about blood clots, if a blood clot that exists in your arm or your leg or somewhere in the body, if it travels to your lungs, it could clog one of your vessels and you could die instantly. So it's things like that that create fear. And this fear is not unfounded, especially when we see that young people have died from COVID-19, that people without known pre-existing conditions have succumbed to this illness. Now, you've heard me say, if you follow me on Instagram or Facebook or on YouTube, or if you've seen any of the, any of the town halls or listened in on some of the town halls or the interviews I've done, there are certain things that we must do all the time consistently, and this doesn't have anything to do with COVID-19, but this is for any, any time in our lives. There are certain things that just have to always be in place. They must be routine. Things like sleeping, you have to get your eight hours of sleep. Sometimes I know maybe seven hours, maybe it's six hours, but consistently you want to try to get eight hours of sleep. Seven to eight hours, nine hours, so that way your immune system can recuperate each night. We are not robots. So you have to sleep so that your immune system can do what it needs to do to be prepared in case it is faced with a virus or an infection or um, a disease. You want it to be able to fight it off. And we do know that some people become infected and they never manifest symptoms. They remain asymptomatic. They've had the infection. They're asymptomatic, which also we've seen in studies that people who are asymptomatic are very contagious. So, and that's the scary part of this illness is that people are walking around asymptomatic. You don't know that they're sick. And they are passing on the disease to other people or into the environment, into the air, or touching things and planting the virus on different things that other people are coming along and touching. So fear is definitely in order here. Fear is a normal, necessary response to a threat. Ultimately, it's designed to keep us safe. So fear is actually a good thing. And if you know how to process fear, it can keep you safe. It makes you ready for battle, if you will. So let's say that we become fearful abruptly in a moment because we're, our, our safety is in danger or someone is threatening us. When fear kicks in, it makes us stronger. It creates uh, more adrenaline for us. Things happen to make us ready to defend ourselves like our eyes, our pupils enlargen so that we can see more and that we can see um, peripherally. Um, we also become stronger because more blood is rushing to our muscles so that our muscles can be uh, faster, quicker, um, can move and propel us forward or give us the strength to do what we have to do. So fear is a good thing, but when fear kicks in, if you don't know how to deal with it, it can be hard to stop and hard to manage it. 
So whenever we have a viral outbreak or something like COVID-19, which is a pandemic, of course, it can trigger mental health problems in people who don't already have, let's say, a formal diagnosis of a mental illness. You know, even in people who have never been diagnosed or never experienced, because there are a lot of people who have experienced mental illness to the point of actually having a disorder, but they just, they've never been diagnosed. So the outbreak has triggered mental health problems in people who never had a mental illness or experienced consistent psychiatric symptom, symptoms, as well as in people who already have underlying problems that has exacerbated their problems or their illnesses. Maybe it's anxiety or sadness. But rest assured, the anxiety that we all feel, it's normal in this circumstance. So if you're anxious or, ner or nervous because of the pandemic, don't feel that you have a mental health disorder or that you have a mental illness. Just know that you're like the other several millions of people who are anxious and fearful and nervous about what to expect and are trying to plan so that we're better prepared if we have to encounter some um, unsafe situation. We're all responding the same way, you know. We're feeling vulnerable to the coronavirus, even if we're not elderly, even if we don't have underlying diseases like lung disease and high blood pressure and diabetes, because we know that coronavirus has killed people who don't have these underlying illnesses. How do we cope with this temporary reality? How do we cope? So that's what I wanted to talk about today, but I just wanted to set the stage so that you have an understanding of what's going on here. I wanted you to have an appreciation we got a couple of things going on. We have people dying, and we don't know why they're dying or how they're dying because they've been healthy and young. We have rich people getting richer because of how these people created the laws and um, and these stimulus packages and how the money that was created quick, fast, in a hurry, how this money has been dished out to, it seems, more of a certain type of person or business than others. And then there's the concern about what to do. You know, if you're in a state where everything has opened, are you going back? Should you stay home? How do you know when to go? Can you trust the government? So there's all of those things. Now, I've said it from the beginning, and that is this. Do not emotionally isolate I know that with the social distancing that some people are actually socially isolating. Remember, we are pack animals, so we like to still engage. We like to be around one another. We like to talk. So please continue to use or begin to use, if you haven't already, use the different applications like the Zooms and the FaceTime, social media and Skype and all of those things, and talk. Talk on the phone. If you have family members who live with you, get out and walk the neighborhood, get fresh air, go outside, spend time outside and um, just walking together and enjoying each other's company. Now, another one that's quite common is the scenario of I'm always checking for illness and symptoms. I'm constantly checking for illness and symptoms. Whenever I feel something, I think, oh, my gosh, it might be COVID-19. Well, you're trying to eradicate uncertainty, so I get it. 
and get this, we have about 60,000 thoughts every day. Can you believe that? 60,000 thoughts go through our head and our brains. You got to love the brain. You just have to love it. 60,000 thoughts per day. And COVID-19 and the coronavirus, they've become at least one of those 60,000 thoughts for some of us and probably several thousand for many of us. So distraction is your friend. Distraction is key during this time because you don't want to just always think about COVID-19 and the coronavirus, especially if you've already planned and prepared and done the things that you have to do. Try to think about something else. Be active in redirecting your thoughts, disempowering the impact of COVID-19. Think about this. In the past, when you felt ill or sick, you knew it right away, right? You noticed your symptoms. You didn't have to check for the symptoms. They were present. This illness is not any different. If you have symptoms, you'll know. The other night on Facebook, I was live with a social worker from one of the nursing homes. And um, she didn't have any symptoms. She happened to just get tested because she's considered high risk. And noticed that two days after getting that test that she was positive for COVID-19. And then two more days later, she started to experience symptoms. But before that, she didn't have any And so some of you are saying, well, darn it, that's my point. I could be positive and not know it. Well, some of you are making up or conjuring symptoms. If you don't have symptoms, you don't have symptoms. If you've been socially distancing, you've been staying home, you haven't been out much, you've kept six feet, then more than likely you do not have COVID-19. And if you don't have symptoms, you don't have symptoms, right? There's nothing you can do about something that's not there. So just reassure yourself that, okay, I don't have any symptoms, allow myself to enjoy this, that I don't have the symptoms. You don't have to check for your symptoms. If you have symptoms, you'll know it. You don't have to look for them. People can be asymptomatic, as I said, meaning no symptoms. When you don't have symptoms, just hope for the best and do your best at staying safe. Just know that you're probably not harboring any viruses, but also just remain careful and follow the recommendations to socially distance, you know, to isolate a little bit, especially from folks that you're not around or don't have to be around, meaning these are not, those are not people you live with. So you don't want to risk sharing a virus if you are, in fact, one of those people who's asymptomatic but positive for the virus. So that's the other reason why we're all doing this voluntary quarantine and abiding by the stay-at-home orders is so that if we're asymptomatic but positive, we're not passing the virus considering you're most contagious when you're asymptomatic and positive. And so some some folks have also posed the question about what do I tell my kids about the virus? Well, first you have to legitimize their fear and identify with them that we're all concerned and we're all feeling uneasy, which is expected. Talk to them a little bit about history. This is a good good lesson, lesson for your children, like the 20th century flu, the plague, cholera. We have, you know, an interesting timeline. And there are actually some movies that were made around those time periods. You guys could probably watch a movie together. We have a pretty intriguing history in our country. This actually makes for a good time to learn new information And so, and remind them, look, we're making history here. We'll stay safe. We'll do what we're supposed to do. And um, just let them know that things will get better. Reassure them. 
And then the same for you. It applies to the children. Don't allow them to watch a lot of television or go on social media and look at a lot of fluff is what I call it. These are people who sensationalize the information. They don't just stick to the facts. They add a lot of other stuff to it. And it comes a little confusing for some folks because they're trying to, you know, just uh, process and work through all that to know what's real and what's fake, what's um, what's founded, what's unfounded. So you want to try to step in and limit their time watching and viewing things. Tell them to only listen to or watch reputable sites. Limit their sites or um, the channels that they're using to to learn about coronavirus or COVID-19. I recommend limiting, limiting them to websites like the CDC and the WHO, just reputable sites, maybe the local hospital if they want to, to see additional information. Now, so we've kind of gone over the the main things, like why am I always constantly checking for illness and symptoms? We know why we feel anxious and overwhelmed. Um, the isolation piece of it. We talked about what do we tell our kids. Now, how do we care for ourselves? How do we continue to care for ourselves? Even with folks going out um, into society whose governments are now open, and I want to say this, my heart goes out to all the small business owners who have been closed for the last two months, all the small business owners who are considered non-essential, who can't open to full capacity. So, you know, that presents another problem for them because how do you manage overhead when you can't really run your business the way that you need to to make money? You want to be able to pay your employees, but you can't bring everyone back because you're being told that you can only have 25% capacity. So let's keep those folks in mind and, you know, pray for them and claim that the best things will happen and that they'll make it through. They'll get through this like all of us. We have to work together and help one another. When you can, you know, tip. If you can, go and support these businesses. If you can. Now, how do we care for ourselves? It's okay to react, but let's not overreact. Do what's reasonable as we continue this process of stay-at-home orders for some of us. Um, and for some states, you guys are now out and about doing your thing. The government has opened you, your society or your communities completely. I would say to still plan your trips to the store, only go when you need to. Let's not abruptly just overwhelm the system. Let's continue to be responsible in our actions. So not needlessly being somewhere just to be there. Let's take a list still so that we know what we need to get. Let's not just hang out just to hang out. Continue to plan. Ensure that you have food at home, that you have canned goods and water. And for some of us, we're actually um, we're entering hurricane season. June is hurricane season. So some of what we've done for COVID-19, it applies now to hurricane season as well. You want to ensure that you have the food at home, your water, canned goods, but also supportive medications in the event that you get sick. So, again, the same as hurricane season or for you folks up north, maybe wintertime when you're you least expect a storm and you get a storm. You just always want to be ready. 
And so with COVID-19, we recommended that people have things at home for fever, like acetaminophen, a.k.a. Tylenol, that you have some sort of cough suppressant or other cold and flu remedies. If you're someone that really likes the ginger and the um, turmeric, that you have that at home, that you're using your supplements like your multivitamins and your zinc and your vitamin D, and that you're checking that your main medication supply is where it needs to be in terms of numbers. You don't want to run out of your blood pressure medication. You don't want to run out of your seizure medication or your diabetes medication for the folks who have the elevated blood sugar. Stay at home as much as you can still. Even if your state has opened, stay at home as much as you can. Drink your water, your 64 ounces or more. It doesn't have to just be 64. You got to eat healthy, getting plenty of greens and antioxidants. Um, not a lot of fried food, less fat, taking your daily vitamins, like I mentioned. Probiotics can be a good thing as well. We should limit our alcohol. And we already talked about fresh air, taking a walk in a neighborhood, stretching, exercising. Yoga is great. There are a lot of folks on social media and Instagram and Facebook doing live yoga sessions. You can join into those things. Meditation, meditation, prayer, 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 prayer. Dear God, whatever it is that you do, prayer is going to be really big in your mainstay as well. Folks will say they don't know how to pray. Well, you don't know how. You don't have to know how to pray. You just open your heart and you speak to your higher power. So these are the things that will help us get through this. And we already talked about sleep. You have to have your eight hours of sleep getting your rest. The three main things that you can do for your immune system, sleep, 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 eat healthy, eat healthy, eat healthy, and exercise. You know, I know we can't hit the gyms, but get outside and walk. Get outside and and do some things. Do your push-ups. Push-ups are a great exercise. And remember, in September, suicide prevention will be back. We'll be back on those push-ups every day. All right? Catch up on your favorite show and think positively. Remember, we are smart. We are resilient. We'll get through this like we've done before. Do not focus on the things you can't change. The more you focus on the problem, the more angst you will encounter. Remember, do not focus on the things you cannot change. Focus on solutions. The more you focus on the problem, the more angst you'll encounter. Focus on a solution or a way to cope. And you'll feel better. You'll feel more in control. So let's realign our energy as we get out here and we try to get our communities back online and society. We try to get back online as we try to get our businesses going and growing. Let's just realign that good energy. Ensure you have the basics at home. Ensure that you're doing the basics. And ensure your children and your family members are doing the basics as well. Thank you for spending this time with me. I'm wishing the best for everyone as we go out. Remember, another episode, a new episode, will be posted on next Sunday. So every Sunday, come in and take a seat on my couch and enjoy some of this brain love. It's the end of an episode. Thank you guys for joining me on my couch. It's been a pleasure. It's Dr. Delvina. Remember, every day you must have brain love. 
balance. You can't have all work and no play, and you can't have all play and no work. Reframe, reframe your negative thinking. Think positively. Avoid negative people. Inside, everything you need, it's inside of you. Look inside yourself. Needs, know your needs. Your needs come first, not everyone else's. Limitations, limit your expectations of yourself. Ownership, own your mistakes, learn from them, and move on. Vengeance is not yours, it's the Lord's. Express yourself. Every day, meaningful communication, don't go to bed angry. And that's been my show, guys. Brain love. Thank you.